Hi, I'm Donovan. And I'm Matt. And this is... Blacklight the Spotlight. Bienvenidos a todos. Bienvenue. Willkommen. Oh, wait, that was a line from Cabaret that just got me really sad that we don't have musicals now. We do have musicals, Matt. They're just virtual. That's true. We do have. You're right. (laughs) I did see an atrocity on Netflix this week that was the Dolly Parton Christmas Spectacular. And if 2020 needed a bow on top of it, (laughs) it is that musical. That is hilarious. I kind of want to see that is something that I would watch just um, just to get through it just because I've seen so many people post about it. Don't. Don't. (laughs) I was going to say related to the whole like virtual performance life. What I really love about doing this podcast is um, it allows me to check in about with our guests about what their various projects are right now. And so after this, if yeah, no, there'll be time. um, I get to tune in to last week's guest, Ashton Muniz, um, who's in a show tonight. And I can't wait to see kind of what he's bringing to the table. Mm, that's so cool. What show are they doing? It's today happens to be National AIDS Day. Um, and so I guess there's a bunch of different scenes that are being done that are written by playwrights who are living with uh, being HIV positive. So I can't wait to tune into that. And so yeah, I, I'm just so excited that this process has given me kind of new ways to spend my time and to become invested in uh, kind of the things that our guests are doing and are um, taking on and working on. Awesome. Yeah. And that's so cool that you're able to support them in that. Uh, Actually, speaking of Ashton, I was thinking about this this week. I'd love to ask you about this before we move on. And as we know, the black community does not exist as a monolith. And that's kind of been our main through line, actually, of this podcast is all these communities we speak to are not monolithic at all. Uh, And this is only your opinion, but I'd love to know it. Um, After everything with George Floyd, my mom and I decided we're going to write down a list of films we're going to consume about the black experience because I've been keeping her company during the pandemic. Um, Many of the stories are heavy, which obviously makes sense due to the horrible history of oppression in this country. Ashton co-founded a collective called Legacy that focuses on Black queerness and pointed out that they want to focus on the storytelling of joy as much of, if not more, than the stories of trauma um, due to the nature of Black history in this country. So Donovan, in your opinion, where do you think the balance is best found between gravitas and levity like as a society do we need more films like jingle jangle and girls trip or more films on the other end like 12 years a slave and if peel street could talk or something with commentary in the middle like black panther and get out do we need all of it how do you see all that in storytelling moving forward Ooh. I mean, yes, of course. It's such a loaded question. Of course, we need all of it because um, the Black experience exists in multitudes, right? And we have all those things. We have levity. We have trauma. We have commentary. We have uh, comedy drama, things in between. Um, But it's so interesting. And I don't know if this even directly answers your question, but um, I was teaching 
my high school students this morning, and we had a couple of the actors come in who were in a local production of James Imes' play, Kill Move Paradise. And it's, I mean, it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, And it, James Imes' work is so beautiful because in many ways it kind of defies genre characterization. Um, In a way, it, it feels absurdist. It feels like a social commentary, like a drama, like a a comedy, like a spoof. There's just so many things going on. And one thing that we were talking about with the actors today as we had kind of like a Q&A session is um, for a play that is so emotionally charged and and draining and um, traumatizing, how it feels important to have those moments of levity in there because it makes the difficult, um, hard to sit with moments hit even harder. Mm, I love that. Now, speaking of a lot of the work that wonderful people like yourself are doing, can you tell us a bit about what we are focusing on today? I would love to. I would love to. Because, okay, that question that you asked, Matt, it didn't go where I thought it was going to go. I thought you were going to ask me, like, (laughs) basically, what are some things I recommend for black people to watch that doesn't have to do with um that isn't 12 years a slave basically right. and the first thing the first thing i thought of in terms of levity is um a black lady sketch show which you and i have had our banter about that yeah. uh because you asked me if i had ever heard of it and i said get out of my face matthew of course <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i just i think that show it's on hbo um it's amazing it's so funny uh so yeah i guess Black Lady Sketch Show has been on my mind a little bit, and it is related to today's topic of being a Black Lady boss, basically. I think the official name of this episode is going to be something related to entrepreneurship in a pandemic, Um, but I'm super, super excited because we have someone who is making a huge difference in the community, in my community, in our community, and yeah, I'm just so excited to pick her brain a little bit and to have her introduce kind of her mission and what she is working on and has been steadily doing so in the middle of a global pandemic. I can't even believe that. So India, I'm going to throw it to you. And I just have a couple of questions to ask you as I ask all our guests. So I would love for you to share with us your name, your pronouns, how you identify as an artist. And finally, my favorite question. Why are you feeling yourself today? Ooh, okay. Well, my name is India Chanel. Um, I, my pronouns are her and she. And I consider myself a, a stage performer. And why I'm feeling myself today, I managed to squeeze in a nice little workout today. And I may even put in a yoga sesh just for decompressing. So I'm feeling myself because I managed to be productive and take care of myself at the same time. (laughs) I love that health and wellness. Yes, there is a connection. That's amazing. (laughs) Speaking of connection, India and I know each other from doing Dutch Apple's showboat. India, was that two years ago? That was, I think that was two years ago. It feels a lot longer. Yeah. I don't think you know how much you lifted my spirits that entire time. Yeah, it, it was it was amazing. I, I'm not gonna lie. I love that we the the personal moments that we shared and just the cast as a whole. Like it was beautiful. Yes, I, I did love that experience. 
India, do you want to tell them a little story about an embarrassing moment that happened to you on stage? Oh my God, I knew. I just had a feeling you were going to bring that up. So, (laughs) God. So this was during Showboat. We, I, I think it was, it was a night show. It was a night show and we opened the show as in the black folks. So we just going to say it. The black folks opened the show with a beautiful slow, <laughs> solo slash duet. And um, my cue was to, you know, run on stage, uh, put down a, I think a basket and then run across to my lover, a Tyler. I love him, miss him so much. And I was supposed to go over and hug him. I think from stage left to stage right. But during my sprint or my jog, my uh, my skirt dropped. No. And I had, I don't even know, I think it was laundry day. So they weren't even cute underwear and I had tights. And so all you saw was my bare ass. Okay. Can we curse on here? I'm sorry. I don't want to curse if we, if we can't. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, so my bare ass was on this, like, you could just see it. And I thought it, it wasn't too bad. Everyone was like, India, oh, it, it wasn't that bad. And um, they just so happened to record that night. So I was like, uh-uh, I need the tapes. I need the tapes. <laughs> and so we went back and we we saw that my trousers were down the entire time as I was running. So all you see is just this ass running <laughs> across the <laughs> stage and I was like you know what the show must go on so we just kept going sugar was so nice to try to help me pull it up because I was like tripping over my, my skirt it was <laughs> it was just a hot mess but you were an incredible group of four especially in the beginning there and we that video still makes the round so thank you for that <laughs> of course more importantly, um, as we know this episode of course is about entrepreneurship in a pandemic and I'd love to hear, or we would love to hear, about your particular artistic entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, We'd love to hear about Blacklight Community, but we do know that you did not start this in a pandemic. So can you tell us a bit about that and any other um, entrepreneurship you're working on? Yes. So first off, with Blacklight Community, yeah, we started... um, that organization or club, it started as like a support group back in 2016. This was right when I was uh, the year that I was graduating uh, college. And we as a department, you know, as as far as the students, we felt as though we didn't have um, the appropriate representation, not just the faculty, but also the students. We didn't have enough people, we didn't have enough support. So we created the support group for that in particular. Um, And after I graduated, Blacklight kind of, you know, kept on within within my university. Um, and then after that, within two years, so 2017, 2018, I was performing consistently uh, up and down the East Coast, which I was blessed to say that it was consistent and, and I felt fulfilled. Uh, however, fulfilled is a, is a, I guess, a strong word because I, I still felt as though I wasn't being seen for the artist that I am. And I don't think that I, as a black woman, was being represented appropriately. Um, And I personally, I I don't want to go into details as far as the specific theater companies or anything like that, but there were moments in which I felt we were left out, you know, and there weren't enough representation, even within storylines, within shows that I was doing that, you know, required a hefty amount of us and there weren't enough. And so I I saw that consistently throughout my years of performing after graduating as well. That was kind of a wake up call for me, especially when I moved to New York City in uh, 2019. 
I realized that, okay, this isn't just within Cape Girardeau, Missouri, my, my school, a little hometown. Um, it was everywhere. This was a big thing. And, and it was funny because, you know, even talking to people of color within theater, uh, TV and film, people that do, do uh, like a, a instrumentalist that work in the pit. Like I, I, I hear pretty much the same story everywhere with people of color. And I realized that, okay, we need a platform in which we are vocal, we are being heard, and we're pushing for inclusion uh, throughout these production companies. And not just on stage, not just in front of the camera, but behind the scenes as well. Uh, so yeah, right before the pandemic, I officially formatted, uh, formatted, excuse me, Black Light Community as an official organization. Uh, it was actually January 1st of 2020. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> she was cute. <laughs> okay, so I want to uh, talk a little bit more about Black Light community, right? And and identity. Because at the beginning, you said that you identify as a stage performer. And that's how, you know, Matt introduced us. That's what I know you as for sure. But I would argue, especially with Black Light community, that you are someone who now wears lots of hats, mm-hmm. right? So I, I kind of want to explore, um, like, what exactly are those hats? Were those things that you always were interested in? What surprised you over these new artistic identities you learned through Black Light Community? Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, I mean, I've always been a performer. Uh, I've always been singing, like, even when I was little. So, you know, and I've stayed in choir. I stayed in um, uh, uh, show choir, so show performances from middle school on. Um, and then, of course, in college, I, I really delved into musical theater specifically. So performing is in my blood. It's always been something I've done and it's what I crave. Uh, however, throughout the duration of my life, I've, I've taken on, you know, directing opportunities. Uh, I've helped produce. I've, I, I think I, well, I didn't, I don't think I know. Uh, in high school, I founded the first uh, step team and I was in a predominantly white school and I felt that we didn't have that. So I, I tried doing that. It not that it failed, but it didn't go well. <laughs> but it was my first attempt mm-hmm. in like trying to push forward our people, minorities. We we're just we're just on the sidelines all the time. And I felt like, okay, we don't even have a step team. We don't have anything to, mm. to showcase our roots. Like mm-hmm. what? So even in high school, I wasn't able to articulate it the way I am now, but even in high school I had this desire to have my community be seen in a better light because I feel like we're not really, when we're showcased, it's a very superficial or shallow content, at least, you know, not all the time, but that's the biggest, I feel like the biggest spotlight we have is in the, in that realm. And I, I feel like we're more than that, of course. So I've always had those hats, but um, making Black Light Community an official organization was a huge step for me. I mean, because now it's not just me putting on these hats to do as a hobby or to do to uplift people. Like I'm making a conscious decision. Mm. I'm making a conscious voice on behalf of people of color in the entertainment industry. Right. I'm, I'm actually doing it and I'm doing it on purpose. That's just giving me chills to even think about that because it's scary. It's scary to, to, to be a, a voice for anything or anyone, let alone yourself. First off, <laughs> come on, like we have to be able to speak for ourselves, but then to speak on behalf of others and other people's oppression or um, disadvantages, that's not, it's not easy. So starting Black Light Community, I had to realize that the one hat that I needed to come to terms with was the voice of Black Light Community and what that meant. And also 
the producing aspect and the directing aspect and the leading aspect. So all of these hats, I am in the process still. It's still a, a daily um, practice in owning these hats and wearing them proudly, unapologetically. That I feel like is a daily practice. And I could not have done it without my team. I couldn't do it. I could not have done it without, unfortunately, because that's where I am. Well, that's where I was in the beginning. I needed permission. I needed that permission from my loved ones and from people that believed in me in order for me to even step on that podium and make and make this happen. Oh my God, absolutely. Wow, yeah, you just, you said so many things that struck me. Um, I really enjoyed what you said about uh, not feeling like you had the language mm-hmm. in high school and maybe even parts of college to talk about these issues, but how they still affected you. I think that's, yes. that is definitely my experience. That's definitely mm-hmm. uh, the experience of um, a lot of people in our community right now. Right. And I feel like there's also been a lot of unlearning that happens the second you graduate from a BFA program or a theater program, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I guess post-college, it feels like there's a lot of uh, dismantling of structures that need to happen. Yes. Uh, so I'm curious in this unlearning or in this newfound space that you exist in, uh, do you feel like you have kind of a personal mission that allows you to tackle, you know, your respective projects, side hustles, blacklight community. So like a personal mission that exists distinctly from blacklight community's mission. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, because of blacklight, I've been able to refine what that mission looks like and what that means. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I have to for the, the sake of my organization, but also I realized how much it's, how good it felt to create something like this. In my mind, I'm like, okay, so I want this to be in my life as a whole, no matter what I do, it needs to be for the well-being of myself and for others. Mm. Um, so even our mission statement in Blacklight, it's uh, people of color coming together to empower one another through life performance and well-being. And I think the best way to make that happen as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as someone leading any group, any you have to have your mission statement embedded in you in order for it to continue within your organization. So for me, my mission is to help myself. I'm giving myself permission to help myself financially. <laughs> yes. Hello. Ah. Because that's a whole struggle in itself. Ah. But um, I think the most important thing, the one that I, I really held on to was the well-being of myself and others. So even performing, um, Matt, you brought up Showboat. And that one and Madagascar. We also did Madagascar together, which was so fun. So fun. That was so cute. Yes, 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 yes. I remember um, a girl reaching out. We were doing autographs. I think we do it like every Friday. And this girl came to me. um, I think she might have been like nine or 10. And she like wrote me a note telling me how much I've helped her because she saw both Showboat and Madagascar. There's not a lot of people of color in that cast, in, in either cast. And um, her mom kind of stepped, pulled, you know, stepped aside and, and came to me and was like, "You've helped my daughter's confidence. You've you've given her a reason to be um, herself, and she's even changed, even seeing Showboat." And in that moment, I'm just boohoo crying. Like, first of all, because like, <sighs> how dare you come to me <laughs> and you tell me I'm doing anything for anybody? Like, what? No. <laughs> so it, it, <laughs> it like, whew, it struck a chord in my heart. And in that moment, I was like, okay, this is why I'm here. And it was funny, even throughout that contract, I was I was working with 
big in my from my perspective top dog performers you know someone like sugar being able to command that stage like she did such a beautiful job I looked up to her for that along with other uh, castmates so throughout that duration I'm like oh what am I doing here why am I here in that moment I realized okay so regardless of where my talent lies compared to other people regardless of what I'm doing how I'm doing it as long as I'm making a difference and I'm able to show people that look like me that they can be, they can do this too, you know? So that alone kind of guide my choices in performing and and helping others, if that makes sense. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome, India. Well, first of all, I I do remember that moment um, where you came backstage and told us that and how powerful was that. But also you delivered it in a a giant fur suit at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like crying with this big giant hippo. (laughs) <laughs> Indeed. That's so funny you bring up looking up to Sugar because that's another question we had for you. So you've looked up to Sugar, but now we know there are a ton of artists looking up to you. So what advice do you have for creators who might want to follow in your own footsteps, creating their own work, their own opportunities, their own art, whether they are women, whether they are Black, whether they are another BIPOC individual or another artist in general? What pieces of India advice can you give to them? I think the number one thing I took from my my journey is that we all are entrepreneurs. I think as artists, it's really, really, really hard to find that line between your artistic and your emo- like your artistic endeavors and your emotions and like that's such art is such an intimate entity. And then when you think as an entrepreneur, stereotypically you think it's it's very technical, mathematic, straight to the point, black and white, you know. And it's really hard to find that balance. Um, So I guess my advice would be to use your creativity to do what you want to do. I think during this pandemic, this was a this is a great opportunity for artists to get creative. You're not just creative on stage. And if you are, you're selling yourself short. Get creative outside of this off the stage. Get creative, you know, away from the cameras when you don't have the spotlight, because that's where you will continue to fulfill your your cravings to perform while also, you know, helping others, you know, if that is the, the, the path that you're, you're wanting to take. Ooh, yes, India, that was beautiful. I want to get all of that, like, written on a pillow. <laughs> I don't know why a pillow, that just feels like the moon. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> a pillow to protect you from all that has happened in 2020. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So India, you speak of the pandemic and that's so important. So we know that you've had this organization, you know, since uh, 2016 or grew it since 2016. But now how has Blacklight pivoted? How has your team adapted? That's my first question. And my second one is once the pandemic is over, um, in what ways do you want to adapt moving forward? you know, virtual or 100% back to being a in-person community, a hybrid? What have you spoken about? When we, when we really took off with the organization in the beginning of the year, uh, beginning of 2020, we actually had a benefit concert debut. Uh, and we had, we had our artists, we had our um, musicians, we had our, uh, our house in which we were going to produce it. Uh, it was going to be on, it was going to be live streamed on online and aired later on TV. 
Uh, we had everything. Mm. And then uh, COVID said, no, honey, not this year. <laughs> so we had to have, <laughs> we had to have a whole seat on that one. Um, and it was very disappointing. Even during that time, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> you know, and we, we kind of had to kind of put everything. We had to kind of just pause for a second because our, all of our plans were, it just was shut down. But then I thought about it, you know, I was like, you know, Black Lake community is a community for the entire nation. Of course, we're starting in New York City because you have to smart, you have to start small. But with the pandemic, it gave us the opportunity to reach out virtually um, and to take advantage of the opportunities we have outside of New York City. I think that this is because of the pandemic, this is the perfect time for people, especially people of color, to set a new bar for entertainment. Um, the entertainment industry is extremely elitist right now. Extremely. And because everything, especially theater, everything is kind of at a at a low, everything, we all are taking a nap, if you will, with this pandemic going on. Um, I think it is our responsibility and our duty to set a new platform for us, made by us, for us, this is it right here. Like, I don't think we'll ever get another opportunity like this. And if we mess this up, like we need to do it now. It needs to happen now. We have people, um, we have producers right now, um, black producers that are trying to create a sense of a more of an inclusive Broadway. Like we need to start making big and intentional moves now because this pandemic is allowing us to make those moves. Ooh. That was the, the idea and the catapult to get us going and get us motivated uh, to grow Black Light even during the pandemic. Um, so virtually, I think it's helped us a lot. It's allowed us to to get our voices out there and and to be seen. Um, and it's allowed us to be creative and and find creative ways to produce art as a whole. Wow! 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 India, thank you so much. That literally gave me goosebumps. What you said about um. I don't think we'll ever get another chance like this. Whew. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now I have to like rethink my entire week and like how am I being my most intentional self? <laughs> so thank you. That, that really struck me. Um, so the final thing I want to uh, close us out with at Blacklight the Spotlight, we love to highlight a charity or organization of our speaker's choice. So um, obviously you've spoken a lot about blacklight community and I would love for our listeners to, um, find out more and figure out way, um, ways that they can donate or support, uh, your mission further. So where can, if you can tell us a little bit more and like where they can go to find out more information, that would be great. Yeah. So blacklightcommunity.com is our website. You can get all of our information there. If you are a person of color, an artist of color, um, you you qualify for our membership that we're launching in 2021. So please be on the lookout for that. And you can actually uh, follow us uh, on, on Instagram. Um, it is at blacklight community and to get the updates for our new launch for our membership program. If you want to donate uh, to our organization, we do have a PayPal account account. It's blacklight community one at gmail.com. Um, and any of those sources uh, that I gave you, which is the website and the Instagram, you can find where to donate on those sites as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for lending your artistry and your insight and your activism. Um, 
to us today. I really appreciate everything you're doing and I look forward to staying connected with you. Of course, Donovan. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And I love y'all. You guys are great. I love what you guys are doing here. 